0: Hey, everybody, this is Jody McBrayer with the group Avalon, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, a podcast that is by Christian music fans for Christian music fans. What's up, Jacob? What's up, Chris? Happy two twenty two twenty two.
2: That's a mouthful. Two 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 two.
1: Happy two two, two every two two. I don't, I don't know what's significant about that, other than the fact that it's cool.
2: Happy deuces.
3: <laughs> uh, this day will never happen again in twos. Correct. Correct. Uh, Correct.
1: Not Craig. not until two thousand two hundred and twenty-two.
2: It's gonna be a couple hundred yes. years.
3: Yes, we'll be gone.
2: Wait, you just said two thousand two hundred twenty-two, which is twenty twenty. Wait, twenty. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I'm so. I'm really confused off. now. <laughs> yeah, two hundred years from now, right? That's oh, what. Yeah, it is twenty two. In two hundred years, it'll. We'll okay. Repeat. Yeah, I, I get what there you're saying. I, okay, I got you.
3: So if you're listening to this in 200 years then there you go.
2: Thanks for tuning in.
1: We know that this is the riveting information that you tune into the Christian Music Guys podcast for. Well actually as we're recording this, the Olympics are closing closing ceremonies are going on. So did you guys get
2: into the Olympics much this year at all? Did you is it, did you guys watch it? A little bit. I I caught some curling. And some bobsledding, love curling, man. And the only reason I turned curling on was because you called me and was like, "Hey, there's this girl from Sweden, and she looks like your wife." <laughs>
1: oh yeah, I forgot about that.
2: <laughs> well, my, my kids were freaking out, going,
1: "It's Aunt Jessica! Look!"
2: <laughs> uh, so I turned it on, and I was like, "Hey, Jess, look." Like Jessie says, this looks like you, and she's like, gives me this look, and she's like. I don't know if I see it. (laughs) I feel like I never,
1: anytime someone tells me I look like somebody, I feel like I never look like that person. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've watched some
3: skiing, a little bit of figure skating. But other than that, I watched the Summer Olympics a lot more than I have the Winter Olympics.
2: I did watch one, I think it was the Downhill Slope. Ray, the um duo race, I don't know what they call it. But it was the like the man the men race first and then the women race second and then they do like a few rounds. And uh, US won gold and it was the a guy I can't remember his name, but he was forty years old and he thought he wasn't gonna be able to race anymore. He had what he thought was his last race prior that day and then he got called to race this duo race And before they interviewed him and he was crying, being like, I don't think I can do this another four years and be able to do the Olympics in four years. But he got to race again and they crushed it. They won gold. So he not only was this his first medal, but he won gold. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah those are the like, those are the stories that you love to watch those those either it's an underdog story or the against all odds story. I, I mean that's I think that's what I enjoy the most about the Olympics. I, I always watch curling. I love I like curling. It, it my family hates it, but I watch it. It's fascinating to me. And I met there's a guy on the US team named Matt Hamilton. I met when I was in Wisconsin at a restaurant one time and so I just thought that was cool. <laughs> And so I watch it every year just to watch him. And the cool thing is about curling. I mean, it's not super physically demanding. So those people can play into their 60s. Yeah. You know, it's like the athletes can just keep going. So that's fun. And I watched a little bit of the snowboarding in the halfpipe just so I could kind of see Sean yeah, White yeah. on his last run. That was real. I mean, he didn't win, obviously, but it was cool I, to, just to see the appreciation that he got. From all the other athletes was pretty cool,
2: yeah, I was just watching the some of the closing ceremony, and they did an interview with him, and they showed the clip of his last run, and he went on the pipe, went in the air, landed a trick, and then his second in the air move he wrecked, and he was just talking about like how he knew that was his last one, and he wanted to try to see he wanted to be like hey, this 35-year-old can still do the trick that all the young guys do, but he couldn't even try it because he was going to do that on his third pop-up in the air. And I don't know. That's, that's like he grew up on Sean White, so it's crazy to think that he is retiring.
1: Yeah, man, listen, Sean, if you're listening, this is the age where you start a podcast with your brothers, okay? Like, yeah. this is the age where you put the sports behind your brother. From, take it from another redhead. Oh, yeah. Uh, start a podcast, bro.
3: <laughs> so I'm here looking at the medals, y'all. And United States were slacking this year. They only won eight as of today, which is the closing ceremony. Oh, eight gold, correct. Ten silver.
1: I love how you say that like you're so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> they only won eight. Well, yeah, they're, I they're mean, number four. <laughs> well, it's so easy for us to say, sitting in our living rooms on our check this out. Nor-
3: Norway cr- crushed the U.S. this year. Had sixteen gold, eight silver, thirteen bronze, a total of thirty-seven medals, compared to the U.S.'s
1: it unfair twenty-five. Now. It's like always winter. It's always winter in Norway. The it's every sport they have as a winter sport.
2: You, you and, can't really, you can't really curl in seventy degree weather. That would be, that would be shuffleboarding, right. at that point. <laughs> it's true. It's true.
1: A few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to sit down with Jody McBrayer from Avalon. Now, Avalon's a band that all three of us grew up listening to on the radio, and Jody was super kind to take the time out of his busy schedule and uh, spend about an hour with us. Like I said, we grew up listening to Avalon. I feel like most people that listen to this podcast, because they're Christian music fans, We'll know who Avalon is. And well, they've had they've had quite a few hits over the years. Twenty-three number one 23. hits.
3: Twenty-three. Three Grammys.
1: Twenty-three. That's that's big.
3: Three Grammy nominations, which you don't receive an actual trophy, but still, when you receive a nomination, you get a medal. And so that's pretty sweet. And they're Grammys. And three dev awards. And Jody is uh got an amazing voice. He's one of the I say, we've talked about it a few times, <clears throat> one of the Christian male vocalists, when they sing, you you know who it is, and there's probably five on, on this hand that we could talk about that have those voices when they sing, you just know who they are, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. And for the people listening, when Jacob just said, on this hand, he held up a hand. So just imagine five fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does have an amazing voice. And even more than that, his ministry, just when he was uh, able to share a little bit about just his heart, um, what God's been doing. And so, even more than his voice, man, I just think God's using him in a powerful way. And even right now, like he's, you know, he still does stuff with Avalon, but he's also with uh, Cana's voice, and he shares a little bit about that as well.
2: So, let's get on to the interview with Jody McBrayer.
1: Well, hey, Jody, thanks for being here with us today. We're super excited. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I know that you had a lot going on today with some sink explosions and stuff. So (laughs) thanks for for stepping away from your
0: plumbing issues to spend some time with us. No, thanks for asking me. Listen, I I actually fixed it. Anytime I can do stuff like that, you know, I think my wife is completely impressed. Anytime I do anything around the house, you know, she's like, wow, you fixed that. Or, oh, you did, you know, and I had to get under there and take the trap off and, you know oh, yeah. all that stuff so it was it was like i was impressed
1: yeah
3: <laughs> now do you, do you ever do
0: what i do
1: try to make something that's not that big a deal a little bit bigger of a deal so you'll get praised a little more you
0: ever done that yeah. you know you know my <laughs> wife is really smart dude like she just <laughs> probably isn't but i, I don't even know if, are you married i'm assuming you're married yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my I wife is smart she knows how much work things take <laughs> but you know we do I do the lion shit. Like I'm, I do the laundry around the house. I do most of the cooking. Um, I'm pretty OCD, so I like. I'm the kind of guy that gets up in the morning, makes his bed, and you know all that stuff. So (laughs) I I try to, I try to run a tight ship. So when things fall apart, like the sink, that's why people. I guess they weren't here. They didn't hear this, but I missed our initial call time because I had a plunger in a sink trying to unstop a drain (laughs) before my dishwasher exploded. It was like everything that could go wrong did. But we're here.
1: This is this is why we have YouTube. We can fix those kind of things, right?
0: <laughs> no, I do that. All the, I do that for car stuff. Yep. You know, once oh, yeah. my, my car just ran out of warranty, so I'm like, oh, I'm pretty much going to do everything on YouTube now.
1: Yep, oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jody, we'll just kind of jump in and get to it. So our podcast, we are music fans and have listened to Christian music our whole life, and so uh, we're excited to have you here, and I know fans of avalon and fans of jody mcbrayer are gonna want to know i think the biggest question to start with thinking about your career and everything who you got for the super bowl man bengals or rams (laughs) oh man
0: well okay so let me be completely honest and say first of all that i'm an sec college ball fan like i'm not a huge Mm. nfl fan so i mean i grew up in florida Uh, my family were gators so i'm a big gator even though we stink this year and uh, you know but but in the same respect I've been an artist in residence at a church in Cincinnati for the last two years, and so i've gonna i'm gonna have to go with the bengals and i i I kinda like to see the underdog i mean it's been thirty something years since they've done anything yeah. right yeah so yeah i i I gotta go for the Bengals man,
2: yeah, most definitely that's a good choice underdog yeah. all the way,
0: oh uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, we can't go for Tom Brady anymore, unfortunately.
0: No, I don't. I have a feeling it's all talk. He's not going to retire. He's going to he go, okay, today. I'll do one more year.
3: What? <laughs> he announced today officially.
0: Oh, he did. Okay. On his yeah, Instagram. So, yeah. I, was, so I guess I was in the sink and not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently
2: he was going to, he has a Hulu special or a Netflix special, like a, some type of show, and he was going to announce it on there. And then it got leaked and he got super upset about it and then ended up just doing it on an Instagram post. That's just okay. what I heard.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys, so did any of you guys play, did you play ball in school, any of you?
2: Just Yeah, basketball. all of us did at
1: some point, yeah. Okay,
0: yeah, I did not, obviously. I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I played tennis, which my, my wife and my daughter completely humiliate me with that all the time. My wife's like, or mm-hmm. well, my daughter's like, did you wear the little shorts, Dad? <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> uh, but I love, I love football, and I, I've always loved watching, and I've, and I, I have friends. My spiritual mentor, his name is Tim Johnson. He played for the Washington Redskins and actually has a Super Bowl ring from the Redskins, and mm-hmm. uh, which they're not called the Redskins anymore now. They're just called what are they called? I don't know. Um, I don't they, know. They the have a politically Washington correct name. Yeah, yeah, the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. He he played football from middle school all the way through, you know, high school and college, and then in the pros. And the man is in chronic pain every day. Like he still mm. takes ice pads and has to go have all these you know and he tries he tries to be healthier and continues to try to work out to keep his body up but i just can't imagine these guys I, i'm sure tom brady's like i'm just sick of being hit you know i'm sick yeah. of being which he didn't i wonder how many sacks in his career he's had y'all probably know this i don't know, um, I, don't know. I do
2: not know but i mean not as many as some but yeah I, I, after,
0: mm-hmm. after a while you're just like stop hitting me I'm done.
2: yeah yeah i mean it, he's like Yeah, 22 years I mean. yeah, yeah. yeah
0: that's a long time on that body man
2: yeah oh, yeah a lot of hits yeah sure. that, that's why i was a cheerleader in high school i didn't have to do it anyway
3: well let's be honest there, there was only one reason why you were a cheerleader chris <laughs> yeah
0: listen i don't <laughs> want to go there <laughs> that gives us a
1: segue this, this is listen, a
3: christian I... podcast
1: Perfect <laughs> <laughs> jacob you said he took a lot of hits listen speaking of a lot of hits but a avalon what a segue! Listen,
0: we're,
3: we're getting better. This
0: isn't a professional situation. We're getting better.
3: <laughs> so let's go. Let's go back to your days with Truth. My. Truth. The beginning. How how did that come about? And then how did Avalon happen? Truth has had so many great singers: what, Natalie Grant, Rusty. Uh-huh. When there when there a girl from some country some country group? Karen
0: Fairchild. Karen and I sang together. Actually, well, actually, I sang with all those people. Yeah, truth, you know, if people there's a lot of it's it's interesting because there's a whole generation of people now that don't have never heard of truth before. But when I was in college back before when dinosaurs walked the earth, before the earth cooled, truth was a big deal, man. It was like boot camp for Christian musicians, both singers yeah. and instrumentalists, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. some of the most talented, I think like Carrie Underwood's MD is the Mark is Mark Childers and he's a bass player and you know Dana Capolino played guitar. He played for Point of Grace and played session work. I mean, there's so many yeah. unbelievable. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Mm. People's names that you may not recognize, but bro, David Cleveland. David Cleveland played guitar for Truth. I I don't. I, I would love to know how many professional like country records and Christian records David Cleveland's played on. He's was there. Dave
3: Cleveland? Was he guitar player for Crystal Lewis too?
0: Yes, he did. Okay. He played. Crystal. Yep. And he actually went, we were on tour with him when we did our tour with Crystal because we did the gold tour with her. David was on that tour. I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. So brilliant musicians and we did like, I mean, we never went home except for like two weeks at Christmas. We just lived on a bus with 16 other people and it was wonderfully awful, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it was great and it taught me a lot about what life was like to live on the road. I came right out of college into truth and learned a lot of really difficult, but really valuable lessons while I was out there.
3: That's good. Mm. Well, so how did the Avalon thing happen?
0: So, okay. So I was in truth from, I I graduated from college in 91. So 91 and 92. And then I left in 92, which I wrote a book. We'll get to the book eventually, but all this is in the book because the book is mm. kind of autobiographical, and it talks about why I left Truth and the situation surrounding that, and there's honestly a amazing prodigal story there with my father, so it's worth reading about. But sure. I, I moved to California for two and a half years and worked for worked for Disney, but I was in their talent booking and show production stuff, and I hate it. It was awful. I hated it.
3: Yeah. Was you ever I, Mickey Mouse?
0: No, no, you couldn't get me. You could. There's not enough money in the world to put me in one of those costumes. But you do have the high voice to be
2: able to pull Mickey off.
0: What what are you trying to say, Christopher? Your your range is up there. I
2: don't
0: have have (laughs) that. Who was that? That was good. Who did that? (laughs) That was Jacob. (laughs) That was good, Jacob. No, I never played a character, and and to be honest, I was hiring people to sing for things. But because of my job, I wasn't allowed to hire myself. It was just part of the deal. And so it was really difficult to, to hire people to do stuff and then sit back and sort of be responsible for them to show up at these gigs and sing. And I'm like, hey, I'm a singer. I want to sing, too. But... And I didn't think about that at the time when I took the job. So long mm-hmm. story short, I ended up going back with Truth. Roger Breland called me one day and said, hey, we want you to come back and be the road manager. We're putting together this kind of dream group with Integrity Music at the time. Integrity had an artist roster and he said, would you be interested in coming back? And the group was going to be Natalie Grant, myself, Jana Long, Jana Potter, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. who was in Avalon with me. And then a guy named, well, Jason Breland, Roger's son, Brad Paisley, or not Brad Paisley, Brad, Brad nice. Paisley. <laughs> singer. It, anyway, it was unbelievable. It was six singers and just unbelievable vocalist, you know. And so I went out there and, 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 we, and we made the one album, which was really kind of a departure for truth. It was very pop, very aggressive. Like I listen to it now and I'm like, why are we screaming? It just was <laughs> in your face. And it wasn't well received. I think people had a concept and an idea of what truth should be and it just wasn't for most people. Mm-hmm. So um, while I was out there, obviously Jan and I became good friends and we played this thing called Estes Park which I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Estes Park, but Estes Park was the Gospel Music Association, the Dove Awards, they used to have, obviously they have GMA every year here in Nashville, mm-hmm. but they used to have Seminar in the Rockies, which was sort of in the, it was in the fall, I think, and it was in Colorado. And it basically was where artists would come Unsigned artists would come and showcase their songs and their talents. And okay. that's where a lot of artists got their start. Nicole Norderman, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I mean, major artists got their start there. They don't do it anymore, which is really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But Truth was the house band. And we were the MCs and we introduced people. And Grant Cunningham, who was the AR r director for Sparrow Records, was in the audience. And he was putting together Avalon at the time. And they already had two guys and a girl, but they needed one more girl. And so he approached Jana and Jana mm-hmm. said yes. And then as they were coming together, one of the guys didn't work out. and She called me literally a month and a half later and said, hey, you should come and be a part of this. This is going to be a big deal. And, you know, you really you really need to think about this. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm, I don't know. And then like yeah. a month later, I was there. <laughs> oh, so, I yeah. So. so that's how Avalon started. That was 1996. Wow. Yeah.
3: 20 was it 22 23 hits oh
0: 20 well 22 number one hits okay chris you were six when that happened do you remember remember that christopher
2: (laughs) (laughs) i like i lived vicariously through you all yeah (laughs) i see i I could be your dad
0: we were joking about that earlier but i could but no it, it you know avalon was it, we were we came up at a time when Christian music was it, – it was the golden age of Christian music, man. I just sure. – I remember going to the Dove Awards, and they were at the – what at the time was called the GEC, the Gaylord Entertainment Center. Now it's Bridgestone Arena. Mm-hmm. But they would pack that place out, and it was, it was massive. I mean it was just huge, and it's so different now. It's changed so much. Yeah. Uh, streaming yeah. really kind of changed everything. When iTunes came on the scene and streaming came on the scene – it just about broke Christian music. They they adapted and they figured it out for the most part, but yeah. And and Avalon was kind of phasing out right as that was coming up. So
3: this is off this is off our script. But have you have you seen that documentary, The Jesus Music?
0: You know, I've seen the previews for it, but I have not watched it yet. And I, I've heard people say it's great, but
3: it is great. But did they touch it, on that? Yeah. The well, they talked about just how Christian music from the start how it used to be called Jesus Music and then now it's, you know, CCM and the money that came in from CCM and, and you guys were all like a split. They showed like clips of all the 90s bands like Jars of Clay and Audio A and they showed Avalon just like clips you know real snippets sure. and uh just of how it blew up like you said in the 90s um, especially with Stephen Curtis Chapman and Michael W. Smith they were like well and Amy Grant but it was
0: Amy was around she was huge when I was in high school you know yeah, what I mean in the like, 80s, I remember, yeah. so she was kind of different like, she's sort of I don't know what you call her She like she's a heritage or uh what'd you say
2: grandfathered in
0: <laughs> yeah well I mean she's. She is the grandmother of Christian music. She she can't be called that, but, you know, I mean, I I went to Night of Joy at Disney World when I was 16 and heard her play in front of the castle, and I remember saying, I'm going to do that one day, you know, Mm -hmm. not even having a clue about what the spiritual aspect of it was. I just wanted to do that. They used to spend so much money, dude, and they had that, and it was blowing up so much that these big New York and L.A. record companies were buying the Christian labels out. So Mm -hmm. EMI bought out Sparrow, and Sony bought out Provident, and it just... Didn't know, Virgin
3: I, Records buy out some, some too, or...?
0: I don't think... Ver, I don't know that Virgin was around back then.
3: Oh, well, like it, the late 90s. I remember DC Talk being a part of Virgin Records for some yeah. Yeah,
0: maybe, maybe. Maybe Virgin bought Goatee. Mm. I don't know. It, it's, you know, and now it's Capital Capital. Sony still owns mm. Provident. Capital owns, because EMI kind of went belly up, and Capital bought out EMI, but... There was so much money. And we just did a Avalon just did a photo shoot and a thing with Red Street Records, which Jay Marcus and Red Street Records. I don't know if Jay Marcus was with Rascal Flats and he started sure. a label and all that stuff. And it's interesting because he lives in that world of still wanting to spend that kind of money. And we kind of reined him back now. We're like, Jay. You Nobody know. does that. Nobody <laughs> does that anymore. You know, <laughs> save your money. We've got clothes in our closet. We're good. You know? <laughs> you know, just because he's like, let's. But it's it's a lesson that you just have to learn the hard way, and yeah. and we were right on the end of it. We did. I mean, I and thank
3: God for. Stri- oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say it was me. I was just gonna say. Like you called it, you know, the golden age of, of of Christian music, and that's kind of where this podcast came from because Jacob and I, you know, Chris is a little younger, but he listened to all the stuff that we listen to, and so Jacob and I, 96, ni- you know, midnight yeah. and on, we're listening, we are 10, 11, 12, 13 I was teenagers at- listening to that growing up in that, and so. That was our world. We had every CD, every cassette tape, hey. and we would we would go to the we would go to Walmart a Christian cassette tape when it came out. No family Christian. Family Christian. <laughs> Open up. I was oh, a member. Yeah. Yeah. I was a
3: perks member there. <laughs>
1: yeah, Which, we would. How weird listen. is it
0: that there's no family Christian anymore? You know, I mean,
1: yeah. yeah. And we would go there, and we would you know they had the the little cassette. Uh, they had the tape players where you could listen to it with the yeah. headphones in the store we would listen to it and look at all the lyrics and we'd learn all, and that was we grew up in that and so now it's like oh, you know yeah. the podcast for us is like we're just kind of reminiscing and and because this is we that's what i you know, mean we we're raising streaming
3: in. Streaming's great. It does not bring in a lot of money at all for the artists, but I I really do miss going to Family Christian on Fridays and buying the new tapes or the new CDs and seeing it used what's to be out there.
0: Tuesdays. Remember it used to be Tuesdays?
3: Oh yeah, it used to be Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah and it changed and, to Friday. Yeah. But you, you didn't get to hear any of the the artists never put out EPs or songs or whatever yeah. and you you got to hear the out al- the whole album on yeah. the release date. And yeah, the radio would play like one song or whatever to to pump it up or whatever. But other than that, that's all you knew is just that one song. Well, radio
0: release. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. This whole Google thing is hard. Radio would take I remember this like our first record, the blue one. I don't really remember much about that one. That was the one that came out that had Give It Up on it and The Greatest Story. And mm-hmm. um, But the second one, the, which was really kind of the one that broke us, which you, they call it the sophomore slump. Either your second record makes you or breaks you, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's – we were really blessed to have Testify to Love on that second record, and that just kind of pushed us over the edge. Mm-hmm. But I remember radio saying we're going to give – pre-releases of your record to 10 of the main radio stations and they're going to tell us what the singles are
2: Mm. and so
0: you know the radio was so powerful back then it's you know i think they still think they're that powerful but they're not but back then they they dictated and there was one guy in particular who was in charge the guy that was the head of klty in dallas texas was the largest Christian station in the country Mm -hmm. and boy if he didn't like you you didn't get played anywhere And it was so amazing that that kind of power... Now, thankfully, he loved Avalon. He thought we were funny, which we were. We were hilarious. No, I'm just kidding. But he would have us in to do their morning show whenever we were in town, and we just all got along really well. But, man, he had that kind of power, and he would listen. And I'll I'll never forget him listening to, I think it was Oxygen, maybe, or I don't know, the one that has Can't Live a Day on it. Mm. And he said... I, I, we were sitting in a room with him and he listened to the record and he came in and he goes, there are two hits on this record and everything else you can throw away. But he said, if you don't play Can't Live a Day, if he said, if you don't release Can't Live a Day as the first single, he said, you're missing it. That song is huge. And it was, it was, I mean, it it was almost as big as Testify to Love in the sense that it had crossover potential. It It actually went to number 20 on the AC charts, on the mm. regular charts, Sure. And then there was a dance mix that went out and people would yeah. call us from clubs and go, I'm listening to it, I can't live with it, you know. And I'm like, why are you in a club? You why are you at the club? Man, I missed the 90s an and dance, tracks, mix it. dance mixes in the 90s was so awesome. Right? Well, we did a remix record of Oxygen. It was called O2. I don't know if you ever heard that. Hmm. I don't um, think need- I have. Okay. You need to look it up. It's called Oxygen O2 Remixed. And okay. it's on iTunes. And we actually had DJs, like DJ Tiesto's on there. Like, they, because this is Grant Cunningham, the guy that started Avalon with Sparrow. He said, You know, I want to do this. And it was a legitimate remix record, you guys. And we, Mm -hmm. like, I remember bringing it back and my mom listening to it. She goes, What did they do to the songs? You know, she couldn't (laughs) understand it. But they were playing those remix songs in clubs. And it was, and I remember looking at the remix chart and we were at number two. And Madonna was at number three. Like it was. Wow. I'm like, what the heck? This is so weird. You know? Yeah. That's so there was a season for that for sure. My dog is going nuts because he's like, why am I not out there?
3: <laughs> now, someone I would always listen to on the radio to get, you know, approval or or to go buy their tapes or whatever it would be. Do you remember John Rivers and Sherry Rivers?
0: Well, that's who I was talking to, about. John Rivers, Twenty yeah. The
3: Countdown. Okay, Twenty yeah. The Countdown magazine. Yeah. yeah, and then if he would say you know, number, whatever. And I would go out and buy it because you would always just trust him. And the dude had the radio voice for sure.
0: He did. And he was the one he was, he was, if if John Rivers didn't like you, you didn't get played. And I don't know why it was, but he liked us. I remember Stephanie and I got married and we went to Hawaii for our honeymoon and we were in Hawaii, we were in Maui. And I turned on the Christian radio station in Maui and 20, the countdown magazine was on and I don't remember which song was on the charts. Something was on the charts, though. And he said, "This next song is by Avalon." And he goes, "And right now, Jody McBrayer and his new wife Stephanie are in Hawaii on their on their honeymoon. Jody, you'd be really good to Stephanie, or something like that." And my wife just thought I was the coolest thing ever. She's like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh, he just talked about you on the radio!" You know, uh, <laughs> Definitely no honeymoon, honeymoon no brownie <laughs> points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, Jody, we always like to ask whoever we're interviewing, just a quick story, a testimony. I know, you know, you mentioned like in your book, there's your whole story like autobiographied within a book. But just give a chance for our listeners to hear your testimony, a story of something that God did for you and just to build their faith.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I did write a book. The book is called So Far So Good. I mean, this is a shameless plug, not so shameless because, I i mean, I wrote it so people would read it, so I have to talk about it, yeah. uh, but it's on Amazon or on barnesandnoble.com. The The book is called So Far So Good, and the first single that I ever recorded with Truth was called So Far So Good, and so it's interesting. I was 21 years old, and I'm singing about the lyric is we've come so far, you've been so good. When I trace the road that we've traveled, I've got to tell you, Lord, I look at where we are and see where I could have been. And I have mm-hmm. to say again, you've been so good. And I'm like 21, singing this, thinking, "Oh, God's been so good, and I've got it all figured out." And then life hits you, you know what I mean? And oh yeah, um, pff, here I am. And and, and I, I tell people, I'm 51. I'll be 52 in June. And I'm I'm so blessed in so many ways, and I have so many things to be thankful for. But I've got two older brothers, and my older brothers were always those guys, you know, that kind of. If you told them, don't do something, it's bad for you. They'd be like, okay, we won't do that. And then there was me, you know, my parents would say, Jody, don't do that. And I'd be like, okay, you know, and I would always have to do things the hard way. I don't know. It was just foolishness was bound in the heart of a child. You know what I'm saying? And and it just never left me. And uh, I made some really bad decisions, did some really stupid things and have been through a lot. You know, I lost my father really early. We lost a child We've struggled with a lot of sickness and illness in our family, and twenty in 2014, I was in deep depression, dark deep depression, like to the point to where I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, and nobody, everybody just thought, "What's wrong with Jody? Why?" You know, because I was always the jolly, happy guy, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and so everybody was like, "What's wrong with you? What? What? You've got everything. You've got a family and a house, and you know, and people just." They they it's like looking at Instagram now. You would never think anybody's depressed because their insta life looks perfect, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah, but that this was before Instagram, but you know, you put on a perfect face. I'm a Christian, you know, I'm blessed, everything's fine. And and you didn't talk about depression being a Christian, mm-hmm. because if you were depressed, then you lacked faith, you didn't trust God or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I hid it for a long time into the to the point to where when we lost Caroline, when we lost our, our our daughter, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I talk about it in the book. But took my family to the beach shortly after that, and while they were asleep, I walked out into the ocean at three o'clock in the morning with the intent of walking all the way in and not coming out. I just was done. And and I remember even looking up at the sky sky full of stars and just talking to God and saying, "I've served you my whole life, and you're not there. You're." You promised you'd never put on me, put more on me than I could bear, and I'm exhausted. I have nothing left to give, and it's like you b- abandoned me. You know, which we all know that's not true. You know, it was yeah, me, and my I ignorance, know. and honestly, I believe that the enemy—I had allowed the enemy to get such a foothold in my life. Which that sounds so Christianese, and I hate Christianese. Yeah. But I had allowed the enemy to take control through depression, through anxiety, through fear, through sin, through all of those things that. I was not able to see Christ anymore. I was not able to see the truth. And um, there was a miracle that happened in the waters of the Gulf of Mexico that night. I ended up back in my bed. I don't know how I got back up there. And I tell people all the time in concert, I'm like, listen, you may not believe me when I say one minute I was in the water and the next minute it was morning and I was in my bed and the sheets were wet. But I I don't care if you believe me or not. It yeah. happened. I was there. Yeah, yeah. I know it happened. And one somehow, some way, God said, "I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with mm-hmm. you yet. You're gonna tell people this story, but yeah. first, I need you to get better." And so, through the process of some amazing friends and me just being super vulnerable with them, I got I, I got put in touch with a godly Christian clinical psychologist who. I told him the whole story, and I know this is getting long, but bear with me for a second. No, but I, told him, really, yeah. I told him the whole story, and, I, and he said, "Jody, what is it you need from me? What do you, what do you want from me?" And I said, "Well, I tell you what, I don't want. I don't want to hear Jeremiah twenty nine eleven again. You know, yeah. I, I grew, I've grown up in church my whole life. I, I yeah. know most of the big scriptures, and mm-hmm. I know the power behind the scriptures. I'm not lessening that at all. But what I'm saying is, I just need God to do something." substantial, something real in my life. And over the next two to three months, I, I, you guys, I can't even explain to you the things that I saw God do, the miracles, like literal biblical proportion type miracles. Like I saw a blind woman receive her sight again, right in hmm. front of my eyes. And I'm Baptist. We don't see that stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just, God showed me himself in ways that I had never experienced and ways that would solidify my calling and my faith in him. And ways that would say, you know what, Jody, for the rest of your life, you're responsible to tell people about this. And I don't care what that looks like. Feast, famine, popularity, scorn, I will tell people about Jesus for the rest of my life because of the opportunity that he's afforded me to see his hand at work.
2: Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I appreciate that. And you being uh, vulnerable and just sharing a little bit. Um, So about your book, So Far So Good?, I will be honest. I was about to read it and then realized that you have not recorded an audiobook version. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are we not a reader? He was going
2: to read it. <laughs> I, I am the worst when it comes to actual reading books. I will read a page or two and then be like, wait, what did I just read? But audiobooks I can indulge in and literally finish a book, a 10 hour book in a day. And know everything, every little bit about the book. I don't know why. I just, reading is not my thing.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I, to be honest with you, I actually am going in the studio next week to record the audio version of the book. Hey, so there we go. It's It was budgeted for and all that stuff. We just haven't had the chance. And then they were like, well, we can get uh, vocal talent to come in and do it. And I'm like, I feel kind of weird hiring somebody to tell my story. So yeah. they're like, well, you can do it. And I said, okay. Unless I'll it was
3: it. Morgan Freeman.
0: Well, yeah, you know, the voice of God. (laughs) Uh, I think Morgan's unavailable, and he's also probably not within our budget. Yeah. uh, Anyway, so yeah, I'm going in next week. So hang tight there, Christopher. We'll get one to you shortly.
2: Sounds great.
3: (laughs) So in Avalon, when you left in 2007, tell everybody what, what happened.
0: Well, okay, so a lot. I had been diagnosed with heart- I have heart disease, so I have a um a hypertrophism, which is an enlarged heart, but I also have a genetic abnormality in my heart muscle tissue so at the time when I was diagnosed, I had lost nineteen percent of my heart muscle function hmm. and uh, found out it was very dramatic. I kind of got dizzy and passed out at a concert and all this weird stuff but Also, Avalon was at the time was doing 280 dates a year just to keep the lights on at that point because we were sort of phasing out a little bit, so we had to work a lot more for a lot less, and it just became – it became kind of – like a job for me at that point. There was no joy in it More, It was just, I would show up, I'd sit in the corner on the bus, I'd put my headphones on, I'd watch something stupid on my computer or whatever. And I was disengaged with everybody. I was disengaged with my wife. My wife was working at Sony Music at the time. And this was, she was there. She helped sign Casting Crowns and a couple of other artists. And so she was full on into their careers. And I tell people all the time, that first Casting Crowns record, my wife stuck that crown in the sand. She was, she was, as involved with them as anybody. And we were two ships passing in the night. She was yeah. going to to LA and I was coming home and somehow we managed to get pregnant in, in that time. I have no idea how, but um, well, yeah, well, I know how but <laughs> there, there weren't many. Yeah. Anyway. So, but I was, I just was burned out and started kind of following following in with a crowd. There was a crowd of musicians and people here in Nashville that were just questionable. I mean, I'd love to say that every Christian artist has their has their act together and they all do, but there was a crowd that I fell into. And when she was gone, I would hang out with them and it just became a very unhealthy situation. And I, I know now that I was kind of acting out, dealing with depression and all those things in in my own way, but it just became too much. And my wife and my doctor and everybody, well, mainly my doctor, my doctor said, listen, you can't keep going like this. You're going to die. You've got to stop. And then my wife said, we can't keep going like this. Our marriage is going to die. You've got to stop. And so I went to Jana and said, listen, I can't do anymore. I got to stop. And she was shocked. She was hurt, I think. And this was in 2007. It was July of 2007, actually. But I walked away and... Just started to put the broken pieces of my life and my family back together. And I'm glad I did. It was the right thing to do. And I've been married 26 years and I'm so thankful for the fact that God showed me that bit of wisdom in that time.
2: Yeah, wow. definitely.
3: We want to ask uh, a few questions about some of uh, the songs that you guys have sang over the years. And my favorite Avalon song is Not Testified to Love, but it is I Don't Want to Go. And I love Me that too. song. Me too.
0: That's my oh, favorite. Oh, sweet. That's my favorite Avalon. I promise it is. I'm not just saying
3: that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, besides besides the Christmas, <laughs> I love Don't Save It All, but, but my, my favorite is I Don't Want to Go. And Me I too. love, I want to know the story behind that one.
0: Well, okay, so that was written by Jess Cates and Yancey, a girl named Yancey, who does like children's music. She's brilliant. They're brilliantly talented. And that one just kind of came across the table because it was on Oxygen. And I remember we had just finished the Christmas record and we're doing PR for the Christmas record when my father passed away. So this was 2000. And I think it was, is it on Oxygen or is it on In a Different Light? I can't remember. That's awful. Maybe somebody can look that up while I'm talking. <laughs> um, sure, sure. Oh, well. uh, anyway, so my father passed away in September, September 12th of 2000. And we had to stop production of whatever record that is because of my dad. And I remember coming back into the studio two weeks later after we buried my dad and we had to do a press junket for the christmas record and I just kind of had to turn a switch and say okay whatever has happened in my private life I've got to go back to work and and I sat in the studio and listened to the intro to I don't want to go. Uh it was the song that we ended up working on right when we came back and I just wept because I remember thinking my father was a postmaster worked for the postal service by trade but he was a pastor by calling. And my dad accepted Christ late in life in his late 30s and then got called to to be a pastor several years later. And, man, I I remember when my dad met Jesus, it changed him immediately. Like I – you know, you talk about people, well, if you come up – if you accept Jesus Christ and you get up and live the way you live, you, you didn't meet the right Jesus. Well, you couldn't say that about my dad. My dad got up from his knees and was a different man.
2: And yeah. the Holy Spirit was all
0: over him. And I oh. some of my earliest memories are of my dad being on his knees in the kitchen at five o'clock in the morning before he went to work praying for his family. And yeah. anyway, that song always makes me think of my father. And mm. it just it's it's an incredible, it's an incredible testament to God's faithfulness and to the fact that all of us have spent time outside of God's will for our life. I think yeah. There's God's perfect will and there's God's permissive will. You guys have heard this. You've been in church enough. I think Avalon was probably God's permissive will for my life. I think I wanted it so badly, and I begged him to be a CCM <laughs> artist. Like I told you earlier, saw Amy Grant in front of the castle at Disney World, and I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Never mm. once thinking, why did I want to do that? I just yeah. knew I wanted to be a Christian music superstar, you know, mm. and— I think God finally was so sick of hearing me talk about it. He's like, fine, go do it. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. Yeah. Maybe God wouldn't say suck, but that's how I would say it. Yeah. But it's going to hurt, and it's not going to be easy. Mm. And that's that's the – every time I sing I sing that song in my solo concerts now, even by mm. myself. I don't do the key change. It gets a little too high, But yeah, <laughs> but the lyrics are unbelievable. Yeah, they are. So I, I have a
1: question about because so I was 10, not not to age you, but I was 10 when Testify Love came out and uh, that now the I colors ch- of the rainbow. Here's the thing. I remember that song being played in our house nonstop. I mean, <laughs> I'm, like, like, radio. I'm pretty sure either Jacob or my mom or somebody, you know, they, they, we would we record it from the radio onto the tape. And they had yep. the whole tape with
0: that song on it. And it would just That's go, when we stuck the tissue go,
3: papers go. into the tape to record on the
0: radio. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. You already t- you already broke them out. So, you had to- yeah, I remember that. Yeah. People who don't know what cassettes are. I'm so proud of you that you even know what that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But so for me, that, that's my introduction to Avalon and who you guys were and everything. So that's the, probably the, the biggest part of me. And I've heard some mixed things about your relationship with that song jody so what's,
0: what's going on uh, there can you settle this once and for all like well i wrote so i did write a lot about i keep going back to the book but it's fresh i did write a lot about this song in the book um okay so the way that song meetings happen for records or the way they used to happen anyway, because we don't write. I mean, we, yeah. I, we do write a little bit. I'm way more of a, of a word writer than I am a lyric writer. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a song interpreter. I'd rather somebody else write the song and give it to me, you know? Yeah. So we sit in a room with our A&R director and our producer and just listen to demos, constant demos over, you know, different songs. And most of them are not great. And then every once in a while you'll get a nugget, like a I don't want to go or like a, So far, you know, something like that. Well, we're sitting in, I'll never forget it. We're sitting in a room listening to demos for the second Avalon record. And so far, so good. It was a group of writers from Norway, Norwegian Mm -hmm. guys. Well, two Norwegian and I think a Swedish guy. And... He's like, these guys, they're they're kind of new Christians, and they wrote this song, and let's listen to it. And he goes, I really think this has potential to be a hit. And we listened to it, and I was like, I hate that. It's awful. (laughs) And everybody else in the room, and at the time, it was Charlie Peacock who was producing it. So it was Charlie Peacock and Chris Harris. And Charlie's like, oh that Charlie's really laid back. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's he was kind of a pioneer of Christian music too. Wrote sure. wrote and produced a lot of like Amy Grant's heart and motion record and stuff like that. So he was he was real chill and he's like, oh yeah, man, that's 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 got it, that's a hit. I just remember him <sighs> squinting his eyes and kind of doing and I'm like is everybody else deaf i, I what, what it's so it says all the colors of the rainbow at the beginning it's like just weird you know and so anyway it got you know it was majority rules with songs so if and and it wasn't just the four of us but the the creative the creative team had to vote as well and everybody but me liked it so it got added to the record we went and recorded it and i remember sitting on the bus listening we were at creation festival and I remember sitting on the bus, and Grant had come with us, and he said, I have the mixes. I want you guys to hear. And he played Testify to Love, and everybody was going bonkers, like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And i like, <laughs> I still don't get it. I don't get it. Uh... You know? And it just goes to show you that's probably why I'm not an A&R director, because <laughs> it just resonated with people. I, I don't know if it was because radio gravitated towards it, and it got played so much, because it was – At the time, it broke the record. It was the longest number one song in history, until two Mm. weeks later when Stephen Curtis Chapman had one that ran a week longer. But Uh. you know, it just some it resonates with people to this day. I mean, we don't Avalon doesn't do a gig where we don't do Testify to Love. Yeah, well, and and is that still does that? How how do you feel about that now? I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? I'm mixed with it because I love watching people's responses sure. and I love hearing people sing it. There's nothing better. That's what I was going to say about I Don't Want to Go, too, is I remember being at Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in Houston, Texas. It's an outdoor amphitheater. And there were 7,000 people at this concert. And we're and I'll, 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 I get choked up thinking about it. And we were out, we were doing the Crystal Lewis tour and we started – and we would do I Don't Want to Go just around the piano acoustically. And we put the mics down, and the entire audience sang it back to us. Yeah. And for an artist, that's when you start to realize, OK, people are listening. Yeah. You know, It's like they can tell you all day long. They can tell you all day long, do we play your records on the radio and all that stuff? But when the audience actually sings your song back to you, you're like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah yeah and they well, testify love they sing it at the top of their lungs so
1: yeah well you don't have to like it jody just john rivers
0: that's right <laughs> i don't know where john is now but i'm thankfully liked it at the
1: time i saw uh michael w
3: smith one year in concert and he he started the first few keys of friends and everybody of course knows the first like five seconds and then he stops and he goes I didn't think I would have to sing this song for the rest of my life, yeah. <laughs> so because if peop- if he don't sing it, then he's gonna get crucified. Same with Mark Lowry said something like that one time in an interview. He said, "Mary, did you know" is a Christmas song, but I have to sing it year round. He said, "That's my paycheck."
0: <laughs> yeah, which it's so funny because Michael English recorded "Mary, did you know" on his record, and it wasn't a Christmas yeah. record; it was just a record. Right. So I don't, but I mean, yeah, Mark is, Mark has done really well with that song. <laughs> I, think I think next to All I Want for Christmas is You. It's like the most recorded Christmas song. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Christopher, you have nothing to say because you were two years old. I know. Absolutely. He's like, he's literally looking around at stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know this guy. So. No, I,
2: I have two different computers here. So I'm like, uh, I'm looking so, yeah, back So yes, you're watching
0: like the football game or something. No, I he,
2: he's, <laughs> he's playing a video game. On the-
0: yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> watching the next watching the second season of cheer
1: (laughs) (laughs)
3: no he likes that
2: game squid games or whatever it's called
0: (laughs) oh gosh i watched that it's awful (laughs) no
2: i did just look at the album cover of one of the the testify to love avalon and the, the the picture is just it's great it's it's 90s. i'm doing the smolder
0: i'm doing the smolder on that average. yeah <laughs> that was also 30 pounds lighter uh, <laughs> so this last
3: 90. this last part of our interview we want to ask you as many questions as we can in 60 seconds so just do your best to answer okay number one question what is your favorite food
0: oh gosh hamburgers cheeseburgers Boy.
1: all right what's oh, your favorite okay. your favorite marvel movie
0: Oh, gosh. Uh, probably end game. All
2: yes. right. Since you don't any longer have to do the math to fly to space, when are you going to fly?
0: Gosh. I mean, as soon as they make it commercially viable, I'm going. I love it. You would
3: have to sing and testify to love a few more times to pay for that trip. <laughs> hey, you
0: know, I, I actually I have a, my favorite plaque that I have upstairs in my office. It's a plaque that an astronaut has. He, he actually flew an Avalon CD in the space shuttle, and he's oh, got it. Wow. And it talks about how many rotations of the Earth the Avalon record made. I mean, it's like my favorite thing ever. So I'm, <laughs> I'm awesome. a space geek.
2: That's so cool. It's awesome. Yeah. I what's your favorite tv Instagram stalked you, and I knew that. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Creeper. What's your favorite TV show?
0: Oh God. Currently. Oh, currently Star Trek Discovery. Okay. I think you already what about
3: said this.
1: past? Huh?
0: Your past oh, TV show? Past? Well, any? I'm a Star Trek guy. I love Star Trek.
1: So, okay. Any Anything with space, right?
0: Next generation? Eh, kind of. But I, 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 I like Star Trek. Just yeah. I'm a nerd. Listen, I, I'll, I'll own it.
1: It's yeah. all right. It's all right. I named my daughter after a Lord of the Rings character. So I'm also oh, a nerd. you really are a nerd. I slept through. <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving on moving on uh, <laughs> I think you already said it but your favorite sports team i think you already said
0: uh florida gators for sure
1: and your favorite song
0: favorite song ever of any all, all time oh my gosh that's like to love? star in the heaven <laughs> yeah not testify to love i think my favorite I don't know that I can pick a favorite song, you guys. You can't ask a musician that. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. I just like uh, many. Yeah. Well,
3: uh, all right, your next question. What is your favorite musician?
0: <sighs> Probably my favorite musician ever was a woman named Anita Baker. She was a soul singer, jazz singer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah. I met her at the Grammys, though, and she wasn't very nice. So I it took me a long <laughs> time to start listening to her music again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah
1: Yeah, i've had the same experience there's a couple of artists i've met and uh, we'll move on because we might interview them one day so i won't say anything uh so last question who would be an artist that you would be your dream duet to sing with
0: oh boy chris stapleton or are you talking about we're talking christian i guess this is a ccm podcast no hey hey, listen it can be anybody
3: Oh, Mine man. would be Adele, but I can't sing. Well, I, I can a little bit. But... You
0: know, I, mm, Adele's fine. I don't love her new record. Contrary to popular belief. No. That's a un, unpopular opinion. I don't love her new record. I feel like it's one. <laughs> Chris Stapleton probably. I, I, I just his God, his voice is just
1: the yeah. Best. That's it. It's longer than 60 seconds, but that's all of them. <laughs>
0: yeah. It always okay. is.
2: Yeah. Well, Jody, we really appreciate you taking the time and coming away from your kitchen disaster and talking with us. So right now, we just want to open it up for you to just let our listeners know what can they expect for the future of Jody McBriar and where they can find you and keep up to date with you
0: like I said the book is out it's available on Barnes and Noble and on Amazon I will have an audiobook out here in probably 30 days so for those of you that don't read or have the uh, the attention span of a 12 year old you know that'll, that'll be out there Avalon is actually we just finished a live worship a live worship video recording and we have a worship record that comes out I think in March so we'll have great content for that. And we're really, I'm really excited about that. It's going to be, well, it, it it's already been amazing. So if we never did anything else with it, God's blessed me. So I can't wait for people to hear that. So Avalon is still is still traveling and doing well and hopefully can come to a church near you soon. I do mm-hmm. solo stuff. Like I said, I'm a worship pastor at a church part-time. And then I fill in the gaps with solo and speaking dates for my book and music and stuff like that. And then I also travel with another a trio called Cana's Voice which is Mm -hmm. a contemporary Southern Gospel trio with some crazy good singers. And we usually do just about 20 dates a year with them. It's a drop-in like festival kind of thing. So, yeah, there's lots of opportunities to catch me somewhere. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Well, thanks so much, much, Jody.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Sorry it was so late, but I appreciate it so much.